they have a real good thing going with the run game, and it's hard to play against, and it is somewhat complex, and you can throw in some quarterback runs, but the passing game concepts to me are lackluster. So this is Saverin on Steelers. Hello to all in Steeler Nation, and welcome to the Saverin on Steelers podcast. Thanks for finding us. Hope you enjoy our Steelers content. We post up twice weekly uh, at Steelers.com, talking about the Steelers and issues facing them the offseason leading into the 2023 season. I also invite you to listen to my daily radio show on the flagship station, one of them here in Pittsburgh, ESPN Pittsburgh 970, WBGGAM. I'm on every day from noon until 2 Eastern time, and you can get it 970 ESPN over the air. If not, you can download the iHeartMedia app. It's free, and you can listen to me that way if you're uh, noon to 2 isn't convenient for you, or you're out of town. So we invite you to do that. Uh, the Steelers, of course, this week announced that Matt Canada is coming back as offensive coordinator. Uh, I, that wasn't unexpected. It uh, doesn't mean that I necessarily agree with it. Uh, I don't. Certainly the Steelers did show improvement as the second half of the season wore on. And a lot of that was due to the improvement of Kenny Pickett and certainly, Matt Canada had a lot to do with that. But even though they were improving and the arrow was pointed up, it doesn't mean they're anywhere close to being good enough. They're far, 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 far from it. Now, maybe that continues in 2023. Um, if so, okay. Uh, but I look at it, and, and if they're thinking that they can just stay with the status quo, not only in personnel, but in their, their thought process, I think they're mistaken. They need to get better. The people they have need to be better. Pickett, younger players, even George Pickett. We've seen the talent he has, but there are you know, certain nuances to playing the position that have to be learned at some point. But they also need to add. The offensive line did a nice job gelling together, and they got, of all the units, got better than any throughout the course of the season. But that doesn't mean that they're good enough. They're still a 9-8 and eight football team. And so the arrow pointed up, one of the things that happened with the offensive line is that none of those guys were injured for a lengthy period of time. And so they were able to play together, which is significant when you're talking about an offensive line in particular. But can you really count on that happening again? They need better people. That doesn't mean you have to replace all five on the offensive line, but you add a really top player. Let's say your number one pick or even your number two pick. That guy has got to be an improvement. Again, they've got to shy away from getting stuck with the idea, well, they're the best we have. Well, that's all well and good, but that only matters in inter-squad scrimmages. What matters is how do you stack up against your competition? How do you stack up against the Ravens or the Bengals or the Browns even? Or ultimately, the Chiefs in Buffalo. That's what they've got to answer. And this offense really hasn't proven anything yet. It's got some component parts. The quarterback, both wide receivers, the tight end, and the lead running back. But yet they still don't score touchdowns. That's the payoff. Pay dirt is the payoff. They need a lot of improvement. 
Now, we won't know until September whether or not the offense in 2022 was limited because they didn't want to load up Kenny Pickett's plate. It may have been that Mike Tomlin went to Matt Cannon and said, look, we can't give him too much. Let's take it easy with him and slowly expand the offense for him. Maybe that was the case. We should begin to find out when games matter in September. He should have a larger chunk of the offense at his disposal. But what if that was the offense with a few different tweaks? What if that's what we come to expect? Dink and dunk, heave one deep every once in a while. That's why I'm advocating, and I think strongly, that the Steelers bring in and give them whatever name you want, senior offensive assistant, passing game coordinator, whatever you want to call him, a set of veteran eyes who have been other places and have had some success. Matt Canada's had no success, none, zero. Now, the offenses that he commanded both finished over 500, 9-7-1 and one, and 9-8, and eight, but still, we all know that the offenses weren't very good. And frankly, in 2021, if it hadn't been for Ben Roethlisberger, there's no way they're 9-7-1. and one. Bring in a fresh set of eyes. Names, well, Frank Reich, Byron Leftwich. I know a lot of people are suggesting that Leftwich lost his job in Tampa because he didn't make any changes or additions to his offense. Well, two things come to mind. Number one, I'm sure Tom Brady had a lot to say about that. And whatever Byron Leftwich may have wanted to install in the offense, I guarantee you that Tom Brady had a great deal to say so as to whether they did it or not. Number two, as evidence will show, Todd Bowles wanted to bring in his own offensive staff. This was the Bruce Arians offensive staff that he inherited when he took over the job. And he wanted to bring in his own people on the offensive side of the ball. Bowles is a defensive guy, but obviously he has relationships with offensive coaches throughout the league, and he wanted his own personnel to coach the offense. Understandable. Every head coach does that. Especially now that it may be that Brady is not coming back. But you bring in a guy like that who's had some success, a Frank Reich who's had some success, He doesn't have to infringe on Matt Canada's authority. But he can, in meetings, say, look, what if we try this? What if we do this? What if we, this week, take advantage of this cornerback? Maybe something that no one else spotted. Experienced set of eyes and experience with some degree of success. Why not? And then, oh, by the way, If things go poorly in, let's say, September and the offense looks a lot like it did in 2022, your new offensive coordinator may be already there right for you. I mean, I don't think you hire guys like that in mind, but it would be an added benefit and something that may be needed. I'm not in favor of the return of Matt Canada. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that the offense was dumbed down, but The offense had problems in 2021 as well with a Hall of Fame quarterback.
I'm just not sold on it. But I'm willing to give him a chance, but I certainly would have a short leash. The problem is, if you don't bring in someone and things do not go well in September, they can't afford to get off to a 2-6 and six start again, and you make a move, who do you bring in? Someone from the outside in the in early October to install a new offense doesn't work. But you bring in a guy who's been with you at least through OTAs and training camp and the preseason, you have a ready-made replacement if you need it. But even if you don't, he could help make Matt Canada a better offensive coordinator just by offering his expertise. And if you're confident enough in your abilities, you shouldn't reject that. Look, we had that same situation with Brian Flores and the defense. Terrell Austin didn't blink and say, get out of my face. I don't want to hear what you have to say. No, he was looking to make the defense as good as it possibly could be, and the input from Brian Flores was valuable. The same could be said of an offensive coordinator. Like most of us, Matt Williamson of Steelers Nation Radio and a weekly visitor to my show on ESPN Pittsburgh has had his concerns about the offense. He joins us now. Uh, Did you see any, I don't want to use the word improvement, did you see any changes in the Matt Canada offense with Kenny Pickett as the season progressed down the line? Um, Anything that would give you an idea of what this offense is supposed to look like when it's functioning well? Minimal, but yes. I mean, it certainly got better. They created an identity starting with the run game. They were very conservative, though. Um, I've been screaming at the TV for the season now, or really a couple of years, that they need more deeper in-breaking routes. You know, how many post patterns did they even attempt or digs and things of that nature? And play action has been making me crazy as well, that there's just very little of it. I understood that Ben was not a play-action guy, fine, but you've had two quarterbacks since, and you're still at the bottom of the league in play-action, even when you're running the ball extremely well. But I thought it was a little less gimmicky as the season went on, a little less desperate with the jet sweeps and things of that nature. There was a foundation to build off of, but the route concepts and those things to me were subpar. All right, I want to ask about that. I know that you've talked to other scouts around the league, and uh, we, uh, you and I have had the conversation. Um, Charlie Batch agreed uh, that this offense has been described as elementary, uh, rudimentary, mm-hmm. um, high schoolish, uh, if you will, highly predictable. Uh, how much, as you've observed, was that to keep Kenny Pickett's plate fairly limited, to not overload him, or is this, you know, Whoever the quarterback is, you know, the route tree concepts are the route tree concepts. I think it's more of the latter. I mean, I'm not avoiding the conversation, but I've been in NFL buildings. I've been in college buildings, and it's hard to analyze assistant coaches from from outside the walls because Tomlin might be telling them, this is how we're going to play offense. Yes, sir, I'll do my job or Pickett might not be getting it, or Trubisky didn't get it either, or whatever. But (laughs) we've seen three quarterbacks now, one of whom should have no mental problems whatsoever and is going to the Hall of Fame in a couple years in terms of route concepts and manipulating defenses. 
and it was the same for all. I mean, a huge thing I'm going to stress every Friday when we talk, Stan, until, you know, the draft and all those is explosive plays. And I feel like their version of creating explosive plays is run a go right, go, run a go route down the sideline, chuck it up, and hope your guy makes a play one on one, which is an easy route to cover for a corner because he has the sideline, and that's a very predictable thing. Oh, here comes another go route, as opposed to now these are the best in the league at it. But I urge people this weekend to watch the Chiefs and the Niners and the amount of open receivers that are created by scheme and route combination because of the coaching. And that's not taking anything away from Purdy or Mahomes who are on opposite ends of the spectrum, of course, but they create so much space and easy layup type throws that often result in after the catch production that you never see from the Steelers. Is that a result of the, 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 the design and the concept of the offense? I think so. I think so more than anything. Um, when I talk explosive plays, I really think it's 50% personnel, 50% coaching. I think this personnel is just fine. If you gave this group of pass catchers to Shanahan or Reed, they would be as or close to as explosive. I understand the Niners have better pass catchers than the Steelers. Don't get me wrong. But the scheme is not getting the best out of these guys. There's a lot of routes where they're stopping their feet, coming back to the line of scrimmage. Well, you're not going to get anything after the catch with that. You know, I mean, it doesn't mean they can't be in the playbook, but there's very few route designs that put safeties and linebackers in conflict, particularly in the middle of the field. I see very little in the way of the screen game. I mean, that would certainly help quite a bit. The lack of play action stuff makes me crazy. Um, so I think the passing game, not the run game. I mean, it, when we when we talk about the offensive play design, they have a real good thing going with the run game, and it's hard to play against, and it is somewhat complex. And you can throw in some quarterback runs, but the passing game concepts to me are lackluster, to say the least. Well, that having been said, Matt, um, maybe you weren't surprised that they're bringing Canada back for another year, but were you disappointed? Yeah, I would not have brought him back. I mean, so I'll, I'll put that out there first and foremost. But we have to understand what this organization is, too. I mean, they've had great success over the years and stress continuity more than any team that I can imagine in any sport. And I think one of the flaws of the league are moving on from coaches and people too soon. You know, the, the constant change. This is not five basketball players you throw out there and they learn as the season goes on or inserting a new right fielder that doesn't need continuity with those around them. You need 11 guys playing as one. And the coaching consistency here has been a great strength. And you also have a second-year quarterback. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks ruined or never given a chance because they have three coordinators in three years. You know, I mean, those kind of mistakes start with ownership. And I think the Steelers are wise in that regard to – Stick with continuity. Again, I, I'm not a fan of the passing game concepts and as a play caller as a whole, but I also think that I, I know you, you put this out on a tweet. I would love to see them get a passing game coordinator, a special assistant on offense, call them whatever you want, but someone that's been around the block. And frankly, not only would he help the cause, but if Canada is a mess, three weeks into the season, then you have someone to turn the playbook over to. 
Yeah, that's a big question. Um, you know, you've made this move. Uh, I mean, we really won't know until September uh, whether or not that they were limited because they had a rookie quarterback and purposely, mm-hmm. maybe coming from Tomlin, said like Coward did with Ken Wisenhut and Ben his rookie year. They didn't give him much to do because they didn't want to you know overload him. He wasn't supposed to play. Yeah. He came out of school a year early. Um, but we won't know until September. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm glad you're on board. You know, right, give him a title, call him whatever you want. But, you know, a veteran mm-hmm. guy who has had some success um, and, and at least say, you know, we're, I'm not here to call plays, but I am here to revamp the passing game. Yeah, and just have a lot of influence behind the scenes. Oh, I, this, I, this is a, a fine passing concept you have. What if we tweak it this way? You know, let's add play action to it or this motion we didn't have and move this linebacker three steps to his left. Oh, wow, I just created a lot more space. You know, just another set of eyes that's been around the block and has had success on the offensive side of the ball, particularly with the passing game, would be something I would still be looking for. How do you possibly explain the lack of play action? The whole idea of this, this, this offense was supposedly predicated on the running game so they could use play action. Um, they achieved the running game, but don't seem to be doing the other half. What's possible explanation for that can there be? That makes no sense to me whatsoever because I also think Pickett and Trubisky are very good ball handlers, and that's something we talked about when they got both players in the offseason was they're looking for guys that can move, that can handle the ball well. That doesn't sound like a great trait for a quarterback, but it certainly is. Freezing the defense, that type of thing, and they're not using it, and certainly running the ball as well as they did in the second half of the season would lend itself to you know, even more, you know, uh, power out of that is that, you know, using play action you, you should be a, even more of a strength for you. But they refuse to do it at any kind of consistency. They've been at the bottom of the league now for six or seven years and all through the Canada era. And I can understand it with Ben. I can't understand it with the new guys at all. I mean, it's one of the, the cheat codes that offenses have going for them right now. And they refuse to do it. And, Again, the thing I'm going to stress more than anything all offseason is creating explosive plays. Well, they're like the worst in the league at it, basically. I mean, I have numbers at home I could show you, but a great way to create explosive plays, on third and one when you're at midfield and you know you're going to go for it on fourth and one if you don't get it, throw one in the end zone. Or second and one, take a shot. You know, I mean, I feel like they're so content to just get the first down or to get the third and short. And – to their credit, their third down offense has been unbelievably good and efficient, and they've been able to maintain long drives. Them and the Chiefs lead the league in terms of long drives. But it's making it harder than it needs to be. I mean, you're not going to hit it 55% of third down clips year after year. I mean, you're not going to lead the league next year. You can't count on that. Now, plus the fact that they have long drives, which end up in field goals or miss field goals. But that too, right. They don't get in the end Absolutely. zone. Um, you mentioned the Steelers' weapons, and it would appear that they have enough. Yet there's a lot of buzz about them using their first-round pick on a wide receiver. Now, a lot of that is because it's Jordan Addison, and they think mm-hmm. about the you know relationship that he had with Pickett. Um, but would you agree that they've done a good job of finding receivers in the second and third round, and that, um, I don't know, I guess it's following the Jamar Chase pattern. Uh, you know, reunite right. teammates. Um, how valuable is that? How valuable would that be? 
Not that he wouldn't be a good addition, but do they need that at this point with Calvin Austin waiting in the wings? Well, I love the Anthony Miller resigning too. He was very impressive to me. I think he'll be very much in the mix. Um, he's a quality slot corner receiver that was very impressive at camp when he got hurt. Uh, it kind of broke my heart a little bit because I thought he was really set to have a really nice year. So the foursome now of Johnson, Pickens, Austin, Miller, to me is good enough. It's good enough. But I've also said, uh, back to explosion, I want a deep threat. I, I want someone that can really run. And I know Austin has world-class speed, but he's never played an NFL game. So I get greedy at receiver when I have a young quarterback. So I want one more. I can't imagine I could condone a first-round pick, though. I mean, free agency would have to just fall in their lap to turn their back on a corner or a D-tackle or an offensive lineman to take a receiver. Day two, sure. If he can really run and take the top off a of defense, I'm intrigued, no doubt about it. But I can't imagine it in round one. And with all respect to Kenny and Addison, they're not Burrow and Chase. <laughs> you know, and, but yeah. we have seen this around the league, too. I mean, they got – Tua got Waddle. I mean, there's some guys, there's familiarity is important. The Steelers drafted Rudolph in Washington. I mean, I, I get the familiarity side of this, but uh, it, it wouldn't be a priority for me. Well, let's look ahead to the weekend. Um, some really intriguing matchups, uh, you know, a couple uh, division game, Eagles and Giants. Uh, what game or games really uh, have piqued your interest and you're most looking forward to? I think you have to talk about, Bills Bengals and of course unfortunately we were robbed of seeing them a couple weeks ago um I will say though I was higher on the Bills and Bengals two weeks ago three weeks ago you know five days ago than I am now I I think some of their warts are starting to really show up not really the Bengals faults but they have corner injuries which doesn't matter against the Ravens because they don't throw to wide receivers and their their offensive line is down three starters all of a sudden you know, so I, and they can't run the ball at all. So I think since he's a lot weaker now than a couple of weeks ago, Josh Allen continues to turn the football over. You know, and they didn't play great at all against a really bad Miami team, in my opinion. They have some defensive back injuries as well. So I, I don't know that they're as strong as teams as I thought, but I think it's a very even matchup that should be an excellent battle. But I kind of feel like the Chiefs just sort of sat back this week, got a little healthier sat on the couch, relaxed a little bit, and then got the real leg up on the rest of the AFC. Cowboys 49ers, does that intrigue you at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I'm not on board with Brock Purdy. I mean, what he's done is tremendous. I think it's much more about the addition of McCaffrey and the brilliance of Shanahan. And a real pass rush, I think, can do some damage you know, to Purdy. I want to see him really tested with Mike the Parsons and those guys. There were two defenses in wildcard weekend, Minnesota and Seattle against the Niners, that I thought were embarrassingly bad. I mean, like, there were no contests for their opponents hardly at all. And I'm wondering one thing. I, I, um, we don't see the, quote, lower-profile NFC teams on TV here terribly often. I mean, you know, you see the Cowboys, so you want to throw up. Um, but, you know, the other teams – and the thing that struck me about – the Giants-Vikings game was, uh, you know, the Giants are talking, they're looking to get rid of them. And you, we just to bring this full circle, we talk about the value of coaching. It seems to me that Josh Allen is definitely a product of Brian Dayball, and now we see Daniel Jones 
they're talking about cutting the guy, and he he is much better than I ever thought he could be. I had no idea he could run like that, um, lead an yeah. offense like that, and that tells me that the common denominator there is Brian Dable. No question about it. His quarterback development, when you do it more than once, is really telling because, frankly, I didn't like Allen coming out of school. His rookie year, I thought he was horrendous. I mean, just very poor accuracy. And I do know these guys also, more than the olden days, go to quarterback gurus over the summer on their own dollar, that type of thing. But Daniel Jones was the fifth pick in the draft. He's a big, strong guy. He's not at Allen's level, but he's not far off. So you can kind of see the the parallel there. But he had maybe the worst group of receivers in the league this year to throw to and still got his team to the playoffs and is still highly productive. It's a real testament to what the A-ball's done there. Yeah. It's uh, anxious to see how uh, he does against uh, that Eagles uh, defense, which is formidable to say. I don't think it's going to go quite as well. (laughs) No, (laughs) undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Yeah. All right, Matt, as always, enjoy the session. Uh, Enjoy the weekend's games. We'll be back next Friday to talk about it once again. Thank you, Matt. All right, Sam. We'll see you. And our thanks go to Matt Williamson. I almost said Matt Canada. We'll give thanks to Matt Canada if he has a good season coming up. But thanks to Matt Williamson. Check him out at Williamson NFL. That's going to do it for today's Savern on Steelers podcast. You get us at Steelers.com. If you enjoy the content, please tell your friends and neighbors, relatives, whomever, that they can get it at Steelers.com. Until next time, I'm Stan Savern. Thanks for being with us on Savern on Steelers.